All right, let's go ahead and get into Love and Marriage DC. I got a few episodes since I'm behind, so, you know, be patient with me. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and get ready to enjoy the show. All right, y'all, so we're getting into Love and Marriage DC. Welcome to the DMV. That is where I'm from, so I was super excited about this show. Um, I feel, you know... Like 75% on Monique mm-hmm, because the way she went out of Real Housewives of Potomac, but she's always referencing referencing the show throughout this this show. She kind of talks about it and how it was, you know, a bad experience and all that stuff. I'm just kind of like, you you had a part in it. Like, I'm not saying that you're not, that you don't have issues because I think almost everybody that comes off reality TV comes away with some type of issue. But let's not act like you're not an active part of the, the situation is all I'm saying. Um, and while she's introducing herself or reintroducing herself, she does talk about how she was left with reality TV PTSD. And I'm like, okay, girl. And she said that Carlos King approached her and asked her if she wanted, if they were, you know, they could work together. And initially she said no, but she did come around and ultimately she liked sharing her life. And I mean, she has a beautiful, beautiful home, beautiful family, you know, supportive husband for the most part. Um, and so I, I get it. I get it. I don't think she, I, I think, um, I think if it wasn't for this, I don't know if she, I don't know what it would take for her to actually come back to Real Housewives of Potomac, other than maybe like Giselle not being there, perhaps, because I know her and Giselle and well, let's just say Robin too, and Candace, you know, um, they were not on good terms. So I think those, those are the only way she would come back, which I don't see them getting rid of. If they're not getting rid of Giselle, Giselle, Robin stays on because Giselle needs needs someone to be in her corner or that's what they want they want someone to be in her corner and you know so either way I think Monique would have made herself her way back to tv and I'm happy for her and I'm definitely excited to see how this goes but I will say on this day that if Monique ends up bringing out that other side you know because I mean it's it's if she tries to control it, that's cool and all, but it's always going to be there, existing somewhere. It wasn't the first time that ever came out, and it, and it may not be the last. So if it comes out or she starts doing things that are similar to her RHOP days, she can't blame it on RHOP anymore. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say about that. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes over the seasons, if she can maintain. So, yeah. Uh, we see Monique starting off the show, entering the store, Kendra Scott for a Not For Lazy Moms pop-up shop event. And, you know, she's getting all ready. And first of all, I was so, like, happy. She got, she has locks and they are beautiful. And at first I was like, wait, did you have locks all the time? But when I look back in pictures, I don't think so. I think it was probably something she did recently, like, within the last year. And I felt away because I've also started my lock journey. I'm actually coming up on a year. And so I was like, oh. Those are very popular in the DMV area. Like, I mean, locks are popular everywhere, technically, but the DMV there are super duper popular. So I was I was happy to see that because I feel like you don't see a lot of women on TV with locks. And of course, you know, Monique's never going to come half stepping. So she always has a style. She's always going to make sure her locks are neat and, you know, she's looking good. But I think it's, it's good to see that because it's like everybody, most of the time, 
everybody has wigs on and or braids and i think i mean wigs are beautiful um but it's just nice to see it's nice to see because i mean for so long people just act like locks are just this unattractive thing and it's, it's just not that and i'm not saying that because i have them um but yeah i was i, I just thought that was I, I think it was dope i think it's dope for her to be in her natural you know form so anyway, next, Ashley Silva arrives. She's a multi-creative and a self-proclaimed sweetest bitch ever. She's very beautiful, and apparently she'll remind you if you forget. Next, we have Arena Tyler, and she um, she's a serial entrepreneur, and she's also famous on TikTok. She's, she describes herself as fun, outgoing, and she loves to let the girls know. She may look... 38 but she is actually 48 and I can't I, I can't contend with that she's actually very beautiful she does not look her age and I mean we all say black don't crack but that, it just depends on your life because some people it, they don't age well you know um but she looks really good and I actually think that her and Ashley know each other somewhat so yeah um Winter Williams also comes in as Monique's special guest and she definitely had, you know, caught our attention. It looks like she may have shaved her hair and then she um, maybe had tracks glued on. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, she looked beautiful, but I was definitely distracted because I was like, I think I see a track and I don't want to see your track, but you look beautiful, but I was distracted. So yeah. Um, and then... Uh, Winter is actually there to give a testimony. She's a mom of four, and she talks about how she knows money from way back because their husbands both played on what's now the Washington football team, but was formerly known as Washington Redskins. And she discusses how she finds out. She found out that her husband was cheating with the nanny, and then he had an outside baby that she found out about. Then he had another outside baby, and baby, and basically she eventually divorced him and um yeah she's in the middle of you know telling her story and Ashley I don't know if it's actually in the middle of her story but I I'm pretty sure it was and Ashley's whispering to Arena saying I hope I don't get too drunk because I I drink too much when I'm bored and I'm just like girl that's rude like <laughs> let the lady have her testimony and then you know you could get turned up afterwards like I don't know if it's just that she likes being a center of attention. And so she had to bring it back to her. Um, because as, we, as we'll see further down the line in her like everyday life, it doesn't seem that she gets to flex being that center of attention. So I'm wondering if it comes out in this show probably brings it, brings it out more. Um, but I was like, you know, you could have waited. You could have waited. It, it was a, it was kind of funny, but it was also kind of a little rude. So anyway, um, after the event, we our next scene, we talk about um, Monique talks about how her and Chris had a bad experience on RHOP. And she's looking to be around couples that are supportive and get it. And Arena tells everybody that she's throwing a 26th birth anniversary party for her and her husband, Jamie. And she was asking, what should she get as a anniversary gift and you know people the ladies are giving suggestions and Ashley's like you need to shake it on him and Arena's like I mean I've done plenty over the last 26 years to keep things going so I don't think that's what I need but Ashley you know she was she was being silly being a center of attention 
being a little tipsy, all that stuff. And, you know, um, she, she said something about like, she said something about the age difference and how when they got married or something, she was 11. I, I forgot exactly what she said. What was it she said? It was in my, it's in my mind, but I can't remember, but she, it was almost like a little bit of age shaming and it was just kind of like, that's not necessary. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to do all that. Cause someday you're going to be the one who's the older one around younger girls and you're going to be doing the same thing. So let's not do that. Like it's, it doesn't really matter how old someone is. It's about like how you carry yourself, like all, all the things you're bringing to the table. That's what matters. So, um, Monique reintroduces Chris who played for the Washington Redskins and they have three beautiful kids together. Um, Monique, uh, sees him down there getting a workout with a trainer and she ends up, you know, interrupting, giving him a little bit of a hard time. And he basically all but kicks her out the workout. Cause he like, she like, you should care about more about your health than I do. And she was, she was ribbing him a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And so she's like, you gonna kick me out. That's messed up. I'm your wife, blah, 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 blah. And you could, that's the beginning of you kind of seeing the point of <laughs> contention between them because Chris says you know he feels like he's a good man and how he's never brought babies to the doorstep bills are paid they have a nice life and he takes care of the kids but something's going on emotionally like there's an emotional component missing between them in their relationship and um then we move on to Arena. Arena and her husband Jamie have three adult children her mom lives with them and she's been living with them for the past five years and she seems to help out a lot. They have a son, Jason, who still lives with him because he's visually impaired. Um, and Jamie talks about how he was born and raised native of D.C. and he has an entertainment business that throws parties. They have another son, little Jamie, who seems to have an estranged relationship with his dad and... Um, They've had some issues since he was a teenager, which kind of makes sense, you know, that coming of age um, point in someone's life and you're starting to be a man and, you know, I don't, I don't want to say male competitiveness happens, but, you know, sometimes dads, that transition from seeing their son, who's their kid, turn into a man can be difficult. And I think we, we find out basically down the line that it seems that little Jamie kind of was hanging out with the wrong people, having a, a bad influence on him. And so I think that has a lot to do with why their relationship's a little sour right now. Um, and when they're all sitting around at the kitchen, Arena told, tells the family that she did it like invite little Jamie to the anniversary party. And, um, and, and Jamie's like, I don't even think he's going to come. Like, he probably not even going to make it. So that already tells you kind of what's going on with them. And um, and she also mentioned she has a daughter named Brittany. Brittany, they don't show. they. I mean, at least in this episode, they don't really show her that much. So I don't know if she just doesn't want to be on TV or we're going to see more of her down the line or whatever. Um, next, we move on to Ashley's husband, DJ Quicksilver. He's a very well-known DJ worldwide. They have a daughter who is nine named Ashton, and they have a son who's 14 named Antonio, and they've been married almost 13 years. 
she says she feels like she's a married single mom because she's kind of all hands on with the kids and she talks about how she feels like she's never had time to pursue her dreams and she wants the pull the support from her husband that she's given him their whole relationship um and he says he wishes he could be more present with his wife and kids but his career doesn't care that he has a family and that makes it difficult um i mean if you're a dj you're probably making a lot of money traveling around the world and stuff like that but i think you know something happens when you start having kids and you can't the kids can't be a part of that lifestyle right because it's not appropriate and so usually it's the wife who puts her everything on hold to be the primary caregiver while the husband makes money um that's not always how it is but that's how it is a lot of times and I could totally understand why Ashley feels away because she's like, listen, I took a back seat, you know, especially when the kids were little and now I want to do my thing, but I can't just get up and do what I want to do because you're so used to being able to do everything and not necessarily being as hands-on with the kids. And so I can't just leave. <laughs> I can't just up and leave. I have to make sure things are in place so that you could survive um, and make sure the kids are good. So I could I could totally understand her struggle with that. Um, so we'll see we'll see how that goes. Next we move on to back to Arena and she takes little Jamie out to get a car, and she said she knows nothing about cars and she will not be paying for it. And um, she brings up to Jamie that she's you know she's worried, and she knows that you know little Jamie and his dad don't have a good relationship. And, you know, he says he doesn't want a bad relationship with his dad and that they just don't speak much. And she says every time he leaves the house, she's worried if he will come back home alive. She wants him to be safe and get himself together. And it kind of, you know, it just maybe he's starting to turn a new leaf, but maybe he's out in the streets, you know. And I can only imagine, I mean, I have a six-year-old and I can't even imagine in 10 years when I have less of an influence on the decisions he makes and the people he makes friends with, what that feels like to be like, I just praying, especially when you have a black child, you know, a black son at that. It's just so many things in this world that want to tear them down. And it, and every time you let them leave your home, it's a worry. Shoot, let's be honest, just as a parent in general these days, Anytime you drop your kid off, even at school, you worry and you want, you're, you can't, you're just hopeful that you're going to get to see them in one piece at the end of the day, which is very sad, but very true. Um, so, yeah, she kind of teared up talking about that. And, you know, I think for Jamie, he talks about how, you know, he don't want to see nobody. I don't think anybody wants to see their mom cry, especially over them. Like if it's not for a good thing, like I graduated, I'm having a baby, I'm getting married, got a promotion, I bought a house. <laughs> like if it's not for good stuff, you don't want to see your parent crying over you. That breaks your heart. Cause you know, you don't want to disappoint them. So, um, moving on folks start move, um, folks start arriving at the anniversary party winter's there she talks about her second husband kevin and that she hasn't seen him in six months and i'm like girl what six months um she says she learned some real crazy information and that basically her husband moved back in with his parents and he's about 60 years old 
so yeah there's there's a lot of questions there um ashley and quick and quick i'm gonna call him quick i'm probably gonna call him quick or quick silver but ashley and quick talk about how he works too much and uses work as a coping mechanism and um it hasn't been working for the past you know 20 years like he uses i guess the escape of work to get him through whatever he doesn't want to deal with and basically that ain't that's not working anymore jamie and arena finally arrive making a fashionable entrance and monique immediately starts asking for (laughs) advice when arena and jamie they just want to party she says she wants to know like how did you guys get to 26 years because basically her and chris are in a tough spot at almost 10 years and she's trying to figure out what's the formula so that we can make it as far as you guys did um, she says she's pressing the issue because her parents divorced at between 22 and 23 years of marriage. And she doesn't want to, she don't want to end it like that. But also she doesn't want to end up like Chris' parents who basically they're more like friends than lovers in their marriage. So I get it. I think you can tell that there's a, an urgency to figure out what this period is that they're going through and to get through it so that they can get back to being happy. So, um little Jamie surprise surprise arrives at the party and um Jamie you know he was you could tell he was pleasantly surprised that he made it and in his confessional he says he hoped that he hopes that little Jamie's on his best behavior and doesn't do anything crazy or anything that's gonna piss him off so I'm just like I don't know how much we're gonna get into what he's done in the past but like I'm just curious like how long has this been going on you know what's what's been happening like maybe not all the details but you know I don't know I mean you could tell that Jamie really loves his son but he just won't tolerate whatever is going on or what has been going on in the past and um little Jamie you know he comes up to his dad he wants to clear the air and he talks about how, you know, he knows he was hanging around the wrong people. He was getting high every day and that led to poor decisions. And he, he says that he felt like weed did not control him, even though it really did. And Jamie, big Jamie <laughs> says, you know, he has two paths to follow. Either he's going to be in jail or he's going to be dead. And that's why he stays on him like he does. And little Jamie feels like he's growing up and he, he feels that his parents still treat him like a kid and Jamie says they do it because they love him I mean this is like a traditional you know I'm I'm growing up and your parents want you to grow up but they worried about you you feel like they holding on too tight or they don't see you as an adult they see you as a child and I think I think in most parent kid relationships there does come that point where you're scared to let go. You hope you taught them all the things that they need to survive. You hope that they'll always use you as a resource. You're scared of what the world, how the world's going to treat them, if they're going to be safe, or if you feel like they're making poor decisions, you know, how it's all going to play out. So I think that's a natural, normal thing that probably most parents go through. Even if you have a kid who's like, they're a good kid, they do all the right things, you still want to in a sense, like, keep them close to you. Like, you want them to have their own life, but you want them to still come home and still come visit you and and, and 
answer your calls so you know that they're safe and make the right decisions, even though we all make mistakes, right? We're all going to make not the greatest choices at some point. So I think that's the toughest part about parenting is knowing no matter how much you try to teach them the right thing to do, they are always going to eventually come to a crossroad where they may not make the best decision or the safest decision for themselves. And you pray that they come out of it unscathed, okay, safe, in one piece, you know, able to learn a lesson. And it's, it's nothing you could do about it because it's their path. That's that's definitely a hard, the hardest part. I know that there's going to come that point and it's going to be tough, tough. But you got you to gotta trust that you gave them the right tools and pray that they're safe, as safe as they can be. And they, they're hanging out with people who have their best interests at heart. You know, um, and I think that's why it's, if you can, it's really important to try to make sure your kids like if there's, you know, you have more than one kid that they have a good relationship with their siblings, because sometimes they're going to tell their siblings things that you're never going to find out. They're never going to tell you or they won't tell you right away. So you pray that their siblings, that the siblings watch out for each other, actually have each other's back, you know. The whole my brother's keeper, my sister's keeper, that they that they hold true to that because you want them to look out for each other even when you're not around. So. So I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, that conversation. Um, and Jamie, you know, he talks about how he's hard on little Jamie because his dad was hard on him, you know, and he made bad decisions at some point in his, you know, his youth. And, you know, they have a very, very mature discussion. And, you know, little Jamie just talks about how he wants to hear he's loved more. I think he wants that from his dad. I just thought it was a great conversation. I'm glad they caught that on camera. Um, So Monique and Chris, they're talking about the party and how they wanted advice on how they made it. Like I was saying earlier, how Jamie and Arena made it that far. And they talk about how they, they seem to be guarded. And it's possible it's because they have something to guard. And... Um, they also talk about how Chris had a life coach named Terry and that the life coaching came to a point where um, they wanted to bring Monique into the sessions. The coach told him he, you know, he had to do the work to get them back to where they need to be. And Chris feels like he's been moving in that direction and he wants Monique to be patient with his work to get to a better place. He feels like he is worth the wait. And Monique says she wants to know why he doesn't want to do the work. I guess it was this list he was supposed to work on. And, you know, he might've said something like, give me a week and it ended up being months later and it still wasn't done. And they kind of fuss about that. And, you know, I think they both talk about how they won't last another 10 years, the way things are going. So that pretty much lays the foundation. That's the first episode. And we're going to see how things work out. I mean, I think Monique and Chris love each other. I don't think they're going to break up with each other. But rough patches happen. <laughs> you know, it's that's marriage. That's life. Things aren't always smooth sailing all the time. So I hope that, you know, we get to see them come to resolution and get to a place where they feel close again. So, yes, that is the first episode. I'm going to put this one in the can and post it up. And then we're going to move on to episode two. Coldest winter ever. And then I think I also have all my notes for episode three. So then I'll be caught up.
So yes, if you listen this far, thank you so much. Please share this with a friend, someone who's interested in the show, but maybe doesn't have time to watch the show, maybe wants to get a quick little wrap up. Um, someone who wants to, you know, listen to someone who has similar opinions or opposing opinions and yell at the, yell at the radio. I don't know. I'm not sure. But either way, thank you so much for rocking with me so far. Please listen to me wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you have show suggestions or you have questions, please email me at go with the flow. Uh, I mean, go WTF at gmail.com. Go W. Lord, I'm saying it all wrong. Go WTF podcast at gmail.com. Go WTF podcast at gmail.com. Until then, y'all have a wonderful week, a wonderful day, and I'll see y'all next time. Peace.